Welcome to Her Bro, His Sis, a podcast hosted by sibling ministers focused on topics of faith. We are family addressing the family, the body of Christ. Well, another month. I am so, so excited, as always, to get it in with you. Um, Obviously, I speak to you more than once a month, but um, at these times, um, they're just so pure and fresh and um, just always just a blessing to my soul to be able to speak with you. And I have just been so um, overjoyed by just the fruit of this this season's podcast episodes. Um, we've been getting into mm-hmm. book studies. And so, yeah, obviously, just getting into the word in such a deep and uh, profound way. And then just to be able to share that with you has just been something that's just been a joy to my soul. Yeah, I mean, anytime I can be in the word for book studies in general is awesome, but to do it together and then just to see how things have been coming out, it's just been so stimulating um, and just enriching. It's been so good. So um, just to see how rich it's been in three months um, is crazy. (laughs) So just to see how much farther it can go the rest of the year is like, wow, I'm just so excited and just I can't wait every time. So I'm definitely like a kid, um, you know, at Christmas or waiting for to get to be able to get up and open up gifts or something. Cause I was like, man, are we doing it yet? Are we doing it yet? <laughs> Come on. It's funny. You said three months. Cause I feel like this is already like the sixth or seventh episode. So it right. feels like it's just been a lot of content. Um, yeah. And that's just the fullness of, of, of what we've been doing. So yeah, it's been, it's just been amazing to, to write yeah. this journey with you. Well, we definitely this month have another another book, and um, this is quickly becoming one of my favorite books. Um, this has definitely um, been something that I've been reading um, for the last couple of years. We're actually doing the same book series um, at church, and so it's been fresh as well, um, as well as I've been teaching um, another study going through Ephesians as well. So it's just been super rich for me, and then to now do... Um, an even condensed version of what I've been doing even in other sets. It's just, it seems like, I mean, it's all the same information, but it's just so wonderful to see it in different contexts and being pulled uh-huh. out in different ways and presenting it in those different ways. And so um, God's word has just been amazing, but yeah, this has definitely uh, been a great book. Um, I've learned so much um, even in this study, apart from the other two. Um, and it's just great to always be able to jump back into the word and learn something new. Um, but I love what I love about Ephesians is that it's such a profound book because of everything it, it goes into, um, but it's also super practical. Um, and sometimes when you think of things being deep, it's hard to really pull out something that's intellectual and make it simple. But uh, Paul did a wonderful job for us already. And so it's not like we have to do anything. Uh, to right. do it. But um, yeah, I like the fact that um, in that practicality and uh, profundity that it actually is split in half. And so um, you have the first three books that talk about church doctrine, and then you uh-huh. have the last three that talk about church duty. And so uh, I just thought that was super cool um, to see those two flipped. And so I definitely want to get into that today as we talk about that and educate the listener uh, about kind of those two sections. And so we break it down in, in uh, the first three chapters and the final three chapters. Um, and so today we're going to talk about what God gives, um, meaning the church doctrine, um, and then how we live, uh, which is our church duty. So um, that's kind of where we're going to go today. Was there anything overarching um, as we get into it that you kind of enjoyed kind of studying, picking apart as you were going into it? Gosh, it's so hard to pick an overarching thing, to be honest. Um, All of it is just so rich and so good. Um, 
I just love the simplicity that you're able to pull out of it all um, from each chapter. Um, and, and the interesting thing is, because I think about how the, and one of the things you love saying is how the word is alive and it's active. You mm-hmm. love saying that. And um, when it comes to reading the Bible, any book, right? Like we're constantly reading the same books, the same chapters over and over and over and over. Um, but it, we need to, <laughs> number <Yeah>. one, um, <laughs> we need to. You know what it does here. One. And then two, like even in the world, the Bible is still what like the best selling book in all of America, all of the world, in all of history. At all times the Bible is the number one selling book. Um and so it just shows you that it's always gonna be relevant and no matter what. And so I just think it's just interesting how no matter how many times we come back to this or any other book that we go back to, um, there's always something relevant for our life. Um, at this moment right now and it was relevant for us previously and it was relevant for people before we were born and it was relevant for you know just every era and every age group and you know our ancestors and the bible people so I just love the relevancy of just um, everything really that it, it has to offer us and just, you know, again, how you simplified it to just say, like, here's what God gave us, and here's how you're expected to live with what he gave you. So, um, if anything, the relevancy of it all and, and how we can really still look to apply it to our life, I guess, would be my overarching takeaway. Yeah, and I, and I think that's helpful, especially as we do these studies, because I think, you know, especially growing up for me, I'll just use myself as an example. I can't really speak for every person that reads the word, but I don't think we really go into it thinking about okay what is the book's theme more so than what is the chapter's theme right and so Uh when you can kind of take a step back and think okay like there was a fuller picture even beyond what i thought in my limited scope of these five or six verses or this chapter um if Uh you will and so i think that even now then pulling back a little bit and saying okay like now six chapters like there was a running theme throughout the whole thing where you know we have headings in our bible and we think okay like they stopped at that and it was just that one paragraph and then they moved on to something else. And it was just this um, gamut of a bunch of different topics, but really <laughs> they all kind of encompassed one overarching theme and we never probably uh-huh. really processed that. And so I think that's been kind of the fruit and the joy of teaching this is like, as we pull back that, that layer, like, Hey, this was really kind of one theme, but it's spoken in multiple different facets. And so I think that's a yeah. fascinating thing to really get into. Yeah. And then too, I just also want to put out there that again, you know, just because we are doing this now, just like we did James, we did James last month, we did James last year, we could do James again, and we'll mm-hmm. have something new and fresh Absolutely. from James. Mm-hmm. So I just want people to understand that it's, it's, it's not like we're sitting here trying to be exhaustive every time and give you every single uh, concept and principle that can be extracted from each book. Um, I, I feel like we're giving what God is laid on our hearts to give and and thankfully from what we've heard has been really fruitful and helpful and beneficial but you know every time we revisit any book and and most of us as churchgoers can speak for ourselves if you've been going to church for any length of time you've heard the same chapters the same verses the same things um repeatedly some years so it's not like they're teaching stale things um there's always a new relevancy and a new application for your life with the same material and so i think that's the concept i want us to kind of always keep in the back of the mind so that you'll be open to what god has to say each time we're coming you know with with information 
That's good. That's good. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, let's not belabor. Let's definitely get into it. So um, the first three chapters, again, kind of goes into what God has given us. And so um, I like to call those indicatives. Um, and so what have we been given? Um, as we get into chapter one, um, it goes into uh, blessings. Um, looking at verse three, it says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Um what I love about that is that he gave us every spiritual blessing and all of those blessings are found through the person and work of Jesus Christ. And so, um, you know, when I first read Ephesians as a younger believer, I kind of really glossed through this chapter and really never saw the, the fruit and the um, just the profundity again of this passage, because there's so much in here. Uh, uh-huh. He said that he blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> Second Peter one three, you know, we, we talk about that a lot. You know, he's given yeah. us things that pertain to life and godliness. So if you look at your uh-huh. life, your everyday life, everything you deal with on a natural scale, and then godliness, everything in, within the spiritual, yeah. he's given you everything. So uh-huh. that passage can be related to this and understanding that God has given us every spiritual blessing, everything that we can ever think of or need. Because as we get into chapter two, he'll talk about you know, us being created for good works. Like we've uh-huh. been gifted and blessed to be able to accomplish those good works. And so he's given us everything we ever have need of. So we are never lacking. Um, and I remember, you know, one of the things they used to tell us um, in ministry is that um, he doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the call. Right. And so uh-huh. um, <laughs> in essence, he's providing the provision for you. You just got to be yeah. available. Right. And he'll make it happen. That's so, right. Um, yeah, I, I thought about that in, in, in this. Um, and then 2 Timothy 3.16, um, that the word basically was given to us as a as a blessing because, you know, it's yeah. given to us for training in righteousness, for reproof, for correction, for you know, okay. instruction. And so we have everything that we need. And this pastor is saying that he gives us every spiritual blessing. So um, I kind of want to just go into that a little bit and talking about the blessings in chapter one specifically and just kind of highlight them real quick. But um what are your thoughts as you think about the spiritual blessings that God has given us? That they're all wrapped up within the word of God. Um, I mean, you said it with uh, three and 16 of second Timothy and um, you know, we say it so often and you know, throughout almost every episode in one way or another, but everything stems from the word, you know, even the Peter, you know, it says, through his promises, we are, we have access to these things and it's through the knowledge of him. And how do you have knowledge of him, but through the word. And so everything kind of comes back to the word of God and, and spiritual blessings means that they're blessings that can't be seen. Right. Mm. So it's not um, like, it's, it's not treasures on earth. It's treasures in heaven. It's internal to the, it's internal things, it's intangible things. It's things that you can't touch with your hands. And, and, um, a lot of times when people think of spiritual blessings in a, in a fleshly or carnal way, you're, you're thinking of God as like this uh, dispenser of what you want, a divine dispenser of like, okay, well, I want a new car. So it's a, it's a, it's a spiritual blessing because it came from God. I'm going to give God the glory, right? <laughs> that, like I got the car I wanted or um, a tangible blessing that you want, but you're going to give God the credit for because you're asking him for it. But that's not the spiritual blessings he's talking about. He's talking about actual things that are eternal, um, things that are heavenly, things that come from God. I mean, all good things come from God. That's what James says. But he's literally talking about spiritual things that cannot be seen. And they all originate from the word of God. Um, so that's what I, that's my thought on that. Yeah, I like that. 
Um, when you look at verse three, um, it says the word blessed twice, but it's actually two different forms of blessing. Um, there's a blessing that we give to God. So it says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual uh-huh. blessing. So that blessing that we give to God is actually our adoration, our praise to him for the blessing right. that he has given to us. And so one, uh, the blessing of God is that he's worthy of praise. And the blessing that he gives to us is like, is him invoking a blessing upon us. Um, uh-huh. So when you even think about it in that context, like we don't, we can't bless God the same way that he blesses us, right? <laughs> like exactly. we're not worthy of praise. He is because uh-huh. he's blessed us. He's giving us something. And so because of his goodness, like you mentioned about all good things come from, from God, because of that, he is worthy of praise and adoration. Uh-huh. We think naturally speaking that we're worthy of praise and admiration because of things that we've accomplished or things that we've done. Right. All of those things come back, stem from God, right? Because it says that uh-huh. all of these things are blessed through Christ Jesus. So uh-huh. I think that's important that for those who, who struggle with pride or, or wanting that recognition that everything we are is because of Christ, <laughs> uh-huh. not because of us. And so we have to definitely keep that in context when we think about the blessing. Like we are blessed people, but it's not because we have a bunch of stuff, because like you said, these are things that are intangible. These are things that we can't, um, we can't necessarily touch with our hands and say, Oh, I have a big house. I have this, I have that, but it's things internally that he has gifted us to be able to then bring glory back to him, which we'll, we'll uh-huh. definitely get into later. But, um, let's just go through some of these blessings. So verse four says that he chooses us. So it says he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. First um, Peter two, nine says we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. So we're chosen by God. We are set uh-huh. apart. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation, a people that, he chose for himself. Um, and so I like how that's the first thing. First of all, first and foremost, let me let you know that you're mine. And so um, the yeah. fact that we are his possession, the reason for his blessing is for his own purpose, for his own will. And so um, I, I love that. What do, you, what do you like about chosen, being chosen? Well, first of all, it's an honor. I mean, it's an absolute honor. And that's not even the highest word that you could even even say to give it full credit and um, worth. But it's an honor to be chosen by God. And so what it makes me um, think about is how in the very beginning, how he his people were chosen. You know, I mean, he chose Abraham and I'm not going to get back into that whole thing, but he chose Abraham and he could have chosen anyone. Fast forward, he selects um, Israel as his people out of all the peoples on the earth, right? And so when you go to Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 7, uh, verse 6, he says, You are a holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God has chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all the people that are on the face of the earth. So he's, he's saying specifically that because in this point in time, he was saying, like, when I give you the land of Canaan, which all stems from, you know, Abraham's descendants, I'm going to give you the land of Canaan. I'm going to give you the land of the people that live here. So these people are not my chosen people. But because I chose to love you, I chose, like, God set his love upon us for mm-hmm. no good reason. Yeah. He says, because, not because you were more plenteous, more numerous than the other people on earth. You are actually the fewest people, but I chose you. And so sometimes 
it won't make, and actually most of the time it's not going to make sense why. It's not going to make sense why God chose who he, who, who he chose. It just doesn't. You can look at Abraham. He had two brothers. And why was he chosen and not his brother, you know? Um, why was he chosen and not his father, right? His father, Terah, actually wanted to go to Canaan, but the Lord did not allow him to go. Um, they were actually en route to go to Canaan, and the Lord did not allow them to go. So he said that I chose Abraham, and not only did I choose Abraham, he said, I'm going to call you to get out of your father's house and away from your family, and I'm going to send you to a place that I want to bless you. And so that's just deep in itself, and I'm not going to go, like, like I said, fully there, but it's amazing to me that God chose his people for a reason. And he says, I want you to be a set apart from them. I don't want you to, to be like them. I don't want you to do the things that they're doing. You are chosen to be holy. You are chosen to be special and set apart. I don't want you to mingle with them because they're going to corrupt you and they're going to um, taint what I'm trying to do, the work that I'm trying to create within you, the culture that I want to cultivate for the peculiar people that I'm making you to be. And so even that early on, was amazing because, you know, that was the first establishment of him saying, I'm choosing a people that will later bring us to the point of um, adoption, which was the fact that Israel continually rejected Jesus. And because they continued to reject God, they didn't choose him back, right? Because in the New Testament, Jesus said, you didn't choose me first, I chose you. You didn't hmm. first. Yeah. So you could only love him because he loved us first. That's not how the relationship started was because, okay, we loved you, Lord. We chose you first. No, he was the one who chose us first. He chose actually before we ever arrived on earth. <laughs> um, and he loved you before you ever arrived on earth. And so just to even know that they didn't want God to rule over them. They wanted the king. They wanted to be like the other people. They didn't want to be holy. They didn't want to be special. Right. So, that made a way for us as the Gentiles to be adopted, to even be part of the chosen generation. So it's just so deep. And I, I just am so grateful for that. Yeah, no, that's good. I like that. Um, you brought that Abraham thing back. And I do remember uh, we did talk about that in a, in a, a, a um, previous podcast. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's your boy. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, it brings so much context to the rest of, of this chapter, because like you said, like, not only did he choose us, but he chose us for a reason. And, and we don't necessarily know. And it wasn't because we were better looking or, or any of that, you know, like mm -hmm. as natural things, why we choose things. We choose that apple because there's no brown on it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we choose that right. because we like that color. We choose that blouse because it looks nice on us, right? That's not why he chose us. Um, and I love how, I'm um, just going back to that First Peter 2, 9, it says that we were chosen and set apart so that, and I, I want to do a podcast on so that, like just those two words, uh -huh. right? <laughs> um, because that brings so much context. Like when you're thinking like, okay, why are things, like why is, are things said? Like the application is so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So it's not about right. you. Like he took you out of darkness and you get to now proclaim that for his glory, not, hey, I'm great because I'm now in the light. It's no. He's great because he took me out of darkness, right? Yeah. And so we get to flip the script and talk about him, not ourselves. And so um, the, the context of Abraham is so beautiful because it points into the rest of these blessings that he gives us in chapter one. But verse five, it says that he predestined us, which you talked about that a little bit um, uh -huh. in, in your adoption piece. 
um, verse seven, he redeems us. It says in him, we have redemption through his blood. Obviously we know that. And we're, we're coming into um, the resurrection season and, and, Obviously, this is Resurrection Month, and so um, we get to talk about that a little bit. But because of his sacrifice, we're redeemed, right? Um, yeah. Verse 11, it says that he gives us an inheritance, or we've obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. Um, so we know that that inheritance is, is heaven, right? We know that we have uh-huh. an eternal salvation, Um Verse 13, he blessed us um, by sealing us. So not only do we have we been chosen, have we been predestined, have we been redeemed and we have an inheritance, but we have a guarantee of that inheritance. We have a guarantee of that uh, salvation Um, in verse 13. It says uh, in him, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Um, And then moving into verse 14, they guarantee us who was given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. So what I like about that, um, and I actually put sealed and guaranteed as two separate promises. But in essence, um, the beautiful thing about that is that if you have the spirit of God, like Uh you have you have the promise, you have the assurance of your salvation. So the fact that you're saved and redeemed, like he's given you this pledge, which is his Holy Spirit. Um, if you go back to the gospels, he says, it's expedient that I leave because if I don't leave, the comforter can't come. So he has given right. you something that throughout your life you have on a daily, which is the Holy Spirit. So um, I just love that. Um, I'll just kind of wrap it up real quick with these three things um, about those blessings is that the entire Trinity is wrapped up in these 14 verses, uh, verses one through 14, um, God selects us. So again, we have the, um, the choosing and the predestination in, in verses four through six, we have Jesus saving us, which is the redemption and the inheritance and in verses seven through 12. And then the spirit seals us in verses 13 and 14. So what are your thoughts kind of on that summation of the Trinity and just those blessings of God in chapter one? I mean, you pretty much, <laughs> Said it all. Like, oh wow. Um, you you really hit it all on the head. Uh, really, the only thing I wanted to kind of just add, which is kind of back to the the note that I said earlier on um, the selection in in um, God's purpose, is something out of First Corinthians. Actually, it's um, chapter one and twenty six. And um, it says and how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, the base things of the world, and the things which are despised has God chosen, yea, and all which are not to bring to naught the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. So... Basically, he's saying that of him, we're in Christ because God made us in wisdom, um, in righteousness and sanctification and redemption. All of that literally encapsulates what you just said. Like, literally, it just encapsulates everything you said. God chooses the things that the world considers foolish, which we should just really be grateful that we we didn't have to be noble people. We didn't have to be rich people. We didn't have to be great people. Um, Like you said, we didn't have to have certain things or or be certain ways already um and he wants the things that are kind of despised and lowly so that he can get glory so Mm -hmm. that he um can receive the glory and the credit for the work that is done right so 
I, I think that's just amazing that um, because it, it shows that he accepts us as we are, but he doesn't keep us as we are. Yeah. Um, so back to that acceptance point, what you said in um, chapter or verse six and seven, and then forgiveness, because you talked about the whole um, he saves and seals. So by saving us, he, he has forgiven us and um, accepting us, you know, he selects us selected us and again we weren't established in in sanctification at the point that he chose us like we were foolish we were base we were dark we were all these things and yet still he said like yeah I can do something with that so hmm. I just yeah I got uh, I mean that's such I mean. a simple simple point like, <laughs> yeah I got this like he's such a master crafter <laughs> like, yeah we would look at something like that like man I can't make something out of nothing but like yeah like we were nothing you know what i'm saying and like literally and even when we think we're something like in our something we're nothing and so even with mm -hmm. that he's like okay like one day i'm gonna find something that i can do to, to like romans 8 29 comes into play like okay like all things mm -hmm. work together for the good like i'm gonna tweak something here because even though yeah. you don't really know what's going on right now like i got you you know what i'm saying like right this whole time i'm sanctifying you like i'm making you look more like me and you don't yeah. even really know the ins and outs of all the decisions that are being made, but I got you. Like, that, mm -hmm. like that's so beautiful to understand. Like, it's such again, it's simple. Like, okay, like God, you know, we were darkness, we were wilding, and now we're not. Like, okay, that we mm -hmm. can treat it like that. But like in this season, and, and especially in this season, like we need to be able to like pause and be like, wow, Man. like not only one, like how you did it because you had to yeah. die to do that, but secondly, like you're doing that for all of us, like in different, uh -huh. we're all in different phases, right? We all have a different measure of faith, all that, like we get that. But like the fact that, like, think about us, and I don't know if we mentioned this one time we were talking about managing, but think about how us as, as earthly managers, like us just managing a little bit of people, you know what I'm saying? Like, or managing yeah. our families or whatever the case is. Like we get stressed out with like a few people that are wilding out, you know what I'm saying? Like you saw Moses yeah. with, with the, with the Israelites, but like God is like, He has all of us in our yes, weaknesses, in our, you know what I'm saying, and in, in all of our mess. And yes, He's still Lord. like, I created you for good works. I got you. Like, yes. you might not think that you're doing good works right now, but you ain't dead yet. I got you. Like, there's, I'm going to work mm. that out. I don't want to go too far because we ain't in chapter two yet. Um, but Man. <laughs> I'm telling you it's right just now. It's so beautiful. <laughs> like, just like, again, like it's profound, but it's simple. It's like, and I think sometimes we miss it. And that's what, again, I love about this this platform is like, I don't want us to miss that. Like, yeah. so much is being done just in these 14 verses. And then as we get into the last half of this, which is where I want to go, is um, is verse 1 through 14 talked about Paul, about God's gifts. But then the rest of the chapter talks about Paul's prayer because of mm -hmm. those gifts. And so we know Apostle Paul, like, he's a legend, right? Like, he... Mm -hmm wrote half of the new testament um i mean he was the one that was was calling out churches and was blessing churches that was um creating churches that was i mean he had timothy yeah. he had the barnabas like all this so we right. see this guy and he's like man like this guy like man i'd love to be him or i wish our pastor was like this guy but like think about what this guy said after everything yeah. that he just laid out that god did for us like he then goes into praying for those blessings you know what I'm like, and again like our view of blessings are like okay like i want a new car i want a new house like we want something yeah. better yeah like when do we ever pray like paul did you know what i'm saying like when do we Come ever on. get to the point where like we're okay and satisfied 
with the things that we have already. Like just if God didn't do anything other than verses one through 14, we ain't got mm-hmm. nothing else to say. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. like we have no complaints. Like he says, let me, let me go there. It says, for this reason, this is verse 15. I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you and your love for all the saints, do not cease. So he ain't stopping to give thanks. Right while making mention of you in my prayers. And then the prayer goes like this, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and an honor. Uh-huh. So first of all, his prayer starts with like, I want you to be wise. Yes, Lord. <laughs> yes, Lord. And, and, and walking with the spirit of illumination and the revelation of Christ Jesus. Yeah. Like, if nothing else, like, I ain't praying for your... your... And not to say that these things are bad, because, again, right. like... I am guilty of praying for someone's child, for praying for, you know what I'm saying, for mm-hmm. a, a new vehicle because mine is busted and disgusted and, and I'm not a mechanic, you know what I'm saying? So I'm not saying those, those things are bad, but like at the end of the day, like there is more glory to be had than stuff, right. right? And we'll get into that yeah. again. I, again, I don't want to jump ahead of myself, but, and then he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. So <laughs> let me let me get this straight. <laughs> Come on. He's praying that you get better at understanding what God did for you in verses 1 through 14. Like he's yeah. praying that you get more stuff. He's praying that you understand the magnitude of the stuff that he already gave you. you know what I'm wow. Like, like if we like where would the church be in terms of strength and maturity and actually going out and seeing Acts 242 where like we we add to the church daily and all that and we share in yeah. and all that. We would see that if we prayed like that. If we cared about those things. And I'm not saying that we don't care, but what I'm saying is I think there's a negligence and a mm-hmm. lack of 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 understanding that this is the priority like this is the chief aim not man i wish that we had more better things like i could bless the lord better if i had more stuff no you just need to know your position <laughs> you know what i'm saying and you bring yeah. glory to god by recognizing your position well and then praying that others understand their position well and that when they read the word that the eyes of their heart are enlightened to recognize the word better like if we can get that like imagine where we would be where the church would be and how much glory god would get if we understood that yeah Wow. So can I just tell you right now that I literally want to just lay out (laughs) right now on this ground and just (laughs) worship. (laughs) I am just so stirred right now, but I'm going to keep myself together. Uh, So what I want to say is this. Um, I just want to kind of speak on the spirit of wisdom because that's the first thing he said. Mm -hmm. You know, I pray that God would give you the spirit of wisdom. And what is wisdom? You know, when Solomon, when God asked Solomon of all things, what do you want? You know, what did Solomon say? I asked for you to give me wisdom to lead these people, period. He, and then the Lord said, because you did not ask for riches, because you did not mm. ask for the life of your enemy, because you did not ask for X, Y, Z material things, but because you asked for wisdom, I'm going to give you wisdom And I'm going to give you all these other things, which is why we know him as the richest man. And he said, I'm going to give you so much wisdom that no one else will surpass you ever in the history of humankind, Mm. ever in Mm. the history of humankind, (laughs) (laughs) because you asked for that. 
How many people right now, if the Lord came to you tonight and said, what do you want from me? Well, I want to hit, I want to hit the mega million. Mm, <laughs> like, yes. You yes. know, like, <laughs> I was, you know, something crazy and natural, but who is going to sit here and be like, Lord, I just want an understanding heart. Lord, mm. I just want, I just want your, I just want your divine nature. I want to be more like you. That's the spiritual blessings. Those are the type of things that God honors. Those are the yes. type of things that he wants you to have. And he's like, okay, because you asked for that, I'm going to let you have some other stuff too. Yes. Because I yes. know that your heart is not for those things. Mm -hmm. Your heart is for me and, and the things of me and the ways of me. So I just want to say, um, because God is the only wise God, the, there is wisdom of the world um, and, and man's wisdom, um, which the Bible does talk about. And um, so when it's saying the spirit of wisdom, I come from God. And so what is wisdom? It's the skillful application of the knowledge that you comprehend. Hmm. And no one instructed God. No one ever counseled God to give him wisdom. He is the source of wisdom. So therefore, um, when it comes to humans getting wisdom, there's two ways that we get it. All of them are from God, but one is either God directly gives it or we get it through other people. So when I say that, are there wise people that you know in your life, wise counselors, wise friends, wise mentors in your life? There are people in your life that you would consider that have a wise spirit, correct? There are, are individuals in the, in the Bible who were known as having wisdom that came from the Lord. And so they were favored because of the wisdom that they had that was always attributed to God. Um, so I say all that to say in our humanness, in our fleshly mindset, in our old man mannerisms, we think that we know things until we realize that the wise one who told us what they told us was right all along. My example children and parents. So parents are teaching their children, parents are imparting information and things to their children. And as children get older, they start to get things, other concepts, other uh, man's wisdom inserted into introduced to their lives. And so they stop really leaning so much to oh, yeah, you're right, oh, yeah, you're right, and they start considering the things of the world and the way the world presents to them. So you get to a point where you think you know, mm -hmm. and the Bible says that all of us at one point in time, we, we have went astray, all of us like sheep have went astray, and so in our own ways, we thought we were wise. In our own ways, we thought we knew what we were doing. Until we made those decisions, until we go down that path for however long our path took us there, and then we realized that whoever told us was, was correct all along. And that gives us a point of wisdom because now we start applying what we had been told all along. Because before, we were doing Proverbs 1 and 7, fools, despising wisdom and instruction. We thought we knew, so we were living according to our own wisdom, according to man's wisdom, what have you. But when we think we know what we are doing or what is right, until we find out that the main person who was actually wise was right all along, that's when, that's when it really sinks in that, man, 
they were right. Now, you may not always attribute it to it being wisdom as that person, you know, but once you get older and then you start, you know, living as a wise individual and then you start imparting wisdom to others, then then you can fall back on those um, examples of when you didn't listen to instruction and when you were not living wisely. So, you know, Ephesians talks about that too, I think, later in the book where it talks about um, walking circumspectly and be not uh, unwise but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So I just want to say that. I don't want to get too far out, but yes, um, you can have enlightened understanding which is, you know, God shining on it, or you can have darkened understanding, which we'll get to in chapter four, verse 18. But I just want to add that to um, what you were saying in this whole passage here. Yeah, that's good. And, and, you know, just to kind of clean that up about the prayer, like when we pray, do we have a view of God? Cause you're talking about the different mindsets, you know, are we being wiser and wise? Are we darker light? Um, those contrasts, when we pray, do we have a view of God in mind or do we have our own glory in mind? And we think about passages like Matthew six thirty three, like seek first the kingdom of God or, you know, James, where, you know, we have not because we ask not and we ask amiss so that we consume it upon our own lust. Like we, you will get God's attention. I think you kind of mentioned it. We will get God's attention when we pray with God in mind, right? Because uh-huh. if we're praying with his will in mind, of course he wants to accomplish his own will. So when you begin to pray with the mindset like Solomon, of like, yeah, man, I just, I want to be able to bless these people. Like, I'm not thinking about myself right now. Like, of course, do I need things? Absolutely. But what did, did Jesus say in the gospel? Like, he has, he understands what you have need of. So it's not about the fact that yeah. you have to sit here and say, hey, Lord, take care of my situation. Like, right. you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then, so if you can put yourself second mm-hmm. and understand the nature of God first and the economy of God, then God's like, okay, I got you. Like, don't worry about it. Like, but he wants to understand, he wants you to understand that he must be priority, number one, not yourself. And so, the same power it says in, in verse 20 um it says what he brought about in christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places like that is the power that paul wants us to understand as he's praying through and so that same power was not reserved for our rise like, it was reserved for his rise so his resurrection was for his own glory not for ours and so we have to make sure that when we're praying that when we're seeking god that we're not seeking it for our own come up so um just want to jump into that. A lot more could be said on this chapter, but <laughs> we definitely need yeah. to keep it moving. Um, so that definitely just moves into chapter two. Um, you were talking about being dark. Uh, verses one through three, I love. It says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sin, in which, you were formerly, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, too, we, too, all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. There's so many times in this passage I wanted to say, repeat after me, and we formally, somebody say formally. Like I, like I wanted to just get real, real Baptist on here. Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm going to lay low. But I love how it starts, and you were dead. Like, yeah. if we could just break this down real quick, I'm going to be real wordy, but just bear with mm-hmm. me. In those three verses, formally was used four times, were was used six times, and are were used four times. Like, if we can understand the past tense, like it says we mm-hmm. were dead, like we're no longer. So again, going back to chapter one, like he chose us while you were dead. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I think we forget yeah. the fact that we were dead. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. uh, there was no no fruit in that old walk that led to death. And so what we thought 
was bringing us life. Like we love being the life of the party. Um, that was killing us softly. Like what we thought walking in this life of the party was actually a dead man walking. So we yeah. don't understand that coming into the situation. Like we're in here thinking like, okay, like I want to do this one. I want to come up. Like when I get 18, I want to do X, Y, and Z. Like when I get a million dollars, I'm going to do this with it. Like, uh-huh. Not understanding that all of those things that we think will bring us life and happiness are actually crushing us to death. And we have no idea. Or at least at that point uh-huh. we did. Right. And so it said that we were dead, but God and his greatness brought us out. And so what I love about chapter two is that it bring it, brings this into focus of like you were dead and now the blessings of chapter two were what he gave you as a result of like taking you out of your death because in verse four like he goes into saying but god right so giving us Uh all that like death sentence right but god being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our transgressions made us alive together with christ by grace you have been saved so the first thing he did after our death was give us life right so Uh after recognizing our position like that status in verse in chapter one that we talked about chapter two now then begins to just bring this into kind of a laser focus and and talks about what he gives us as a result of that position and so that's what i love about this and so i'll just kind of give a quick rundown of the things that he gave us in chapter two he gave us life in chapter four he gives us grace in verses five through eight. He gives us faith in verses eight through nine. He gives us hope in chapter in verses twelve and thirteen. He gives us peace in verse fourteen through sixteen, and then lastly, he gives us access on verses eighteen and nineteen. So, kind of a quick summary there, but just kind of just to to overhaul that, we're not alive until we're born again. Like we think we're uh-huh. alive now in this life on Earth. Basically, we think we. We only live once, right? Like, that's the, the theme is YOLO. Like, we yeah. think, okay, how right. do we get all the life that we can live and everything on our bucket list accomplished before we die, right? And nobody knows that, uh-huh. that expiration date, but we try to get all of these things accomplished. And basically, God is saying, all of that futility, you're not even alive until you meet me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, we, uh-huh. can go, we can go 50 years thinking, okay, like, I got to accomplish all these things. I've done this. I'm successful. Yeah. And you ain't nobody until you meet Christ. <laughs> that's right. So, um, yeah, what what are your thoughts on that? So I'm gonna I'm gonna say this, and I'm gonna try to hold myself together. But okay, so one of the things that you also love is Colossians three and three, where mm. it says, because I, I want to, I, I you started this off by saying you were dead. So in Ephesians, he's saying you were dead in sin, but in Colossians, he's saying you are dead, and mm. your life is hid with Christ and God. Mm. So Here's the thing. If you were dead in sin, right, God made you alive in him because he, like you just said, and renewed in him by his spirit through his blood and redemption. But he said here, if we're risen with Christ, then um, we need to seek the things that are above. And we yes. are dead and our life is hid with Christ in God. Mm. So we were dead in sin, but now we're dead in the Spirit mm. hidden Don't in Christ Don't say it. in God. Okay, so here's my question. If you died and your life is hidden in God with Jesus, this means you cannot see my life. You should only see his. Mm. So the thing is, if you see me, then that means I haven't put off my old life. Stop. And that means I, resume- I resurrected myself from the dead. I resurrected myself oh, from the on. dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. 
right? Because oh, if, if, yes. I, if I die, <laughs> I'm not dead in sin anymore. Mm. But I'm dead in the spirit because I got, Jesus made me alive in him. So he said, it's not you who live, it's Christ who lives in me. So I am not alive. I am no longer living. It's the life that I live. This is what Paul said. The life I live is Christ, right? It's not me living. It's Christ. So that brings us back to Ephesians. Um, if it's not me who lives, but Jesus who lives in me, that means if so be indeed that he's allowed to be active and alive to live through you. So are we giving the spirit, are we giving Jesus the permission and allowance to live through us? Because we're supposed to be dead and hid. <laughs> Nobody's mm. supposed to see you. So when they see your shell, they should see the spirit of God because he says that we're being made new like God and we're made to look like him glory to glory, right? So when we see him, that we'll ultimately see him as he is because we'll be like him. So that's how the sons of disobedience and the sons of obedience apply because you're a son of somebody. Whose son are you? Mm. Are you obeying the spirit of God or are you obeying the spirit that works in the sons of disobedience? Because if that's what you're obeying, then you're still the son of disobedience and you're not God's child. Mm. Again, you said we were <laughs> formerly <laughs> children of the devil doing the deeds of our father. John chapter eight talks about that, which I love. You know, because he's talking to the Pharisees and he flat out called them out. And he was like, if you were of God, um, you would love me. In other words, if you were of God, you would obey me. Um, you are of your father, the devil. He just told him flat out because the deeds of your father you do. And I only do what I see and hear my father do and say. So if we are children of God and children of obedience, we are doing the deeds of our father. So, again, that brings us back to as many as received him. To them, he gives power to become the sons of God. You have to hear him, receive his instruction. That means you're agreeing with it, and then obey it. Mm. I'm done. <laughs> right, you don't take it there. You don't take it there. <laughs> so, so you made me think. Uh, you remember when uh, in testimony service when we were growing up, you would always used to say, "I was saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost." Yeah, sir. So. Those are three separate situations, if you think about it, based on what you just said. So I think a lot of times we hang our hat on the fact that we're saved. Yeah. The sanctification process happens after salvation in which you're basically now becoming more like Christ, which means, like you said, now your life is hidden. So you died to sin in Ephesians. Colossians says you need to die and be sanctified. And you mm -hmm. can't claim to be filled with the Holy Ghost if you're not willing to be sanctified and die to your old flesh. So I think mm -hmm. the the implication is that are you allowing that transforming work to happen? Because we like to say, oh yeah, I'm saved. Okay. Do you know what that means then? Because understanding exactly. the position, <laughs> which we're going to get into the imperative of, of chapter four through six, is if you're claiming this, like you said about being a son of obedience, if you say this is your life, then we need to see some fruit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so um, that's what I like. And again, I love the conjunctions in the Bible. I love those those words that say like, so that, therefore, this mm -hmm. is why. Like chapter two, verse 11, it says, therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who were called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, mm -hmm. which is performed in the flesh by human hands, remember 
that you were at that time separate from Christ. So again, yeah. this is pre BC, right? Before Christ. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, <laughs> but, now. 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly, somebody say formerly, <laughs> formerly were for were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Again, if this is who we claim to be, there has to be a transformation. That again is the yeah. fruit, that is the seal, that is the promise or the guarantee of that salvation is you now have the promised Holy Spirit, which is the sanctifying power and the sealing agent in your salvation. So if you're not seeing fruit, we need to check the tree. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> because <Come on. laughs> we need to get to that point where we recognize like you're not saved by your works, but your works mm-hmm. should should be equivalent to the tree that is producing that fruit. So if, if you tell me you're an apple tree and I see oranges, you ain't an apple tree. So if you tell me you're a believer right. and I don't see righteous works, I'm asking questions. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it's not that you were saved by the fact that you produced this fruit, but that is the evidence of the fact that you had a transforming work to be done and the Bible says that you're known by your fruits. So I have some questions to ask you. If we're not seeing these things, if you're not walking right. in the application of what he said he gave you. So these blessings, again, are not just for the sake of just saying, okay, I just want to bless you, but I'm blessing you so that you can bring glory to me. And if you're not bringing glory through your actions, Matthew five sixteen, right? Let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify God. Uh-huh. Verse two, chapter two, verse 10 says, you are his workmanship created for good works. So you're created and given good works so that others can bring glory to God. And that through your good works, you're bringing glory to God because you're manifesting the glory of God in your activity. So Uh again, you can see the system, the systemic flow of the word of God in terms of all these cliche verses that we've always known, but is it alive in you? Right. So that's, that's the important thing. So we'll move on. There's still a little bit more blessings. Uh 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 Amen. Uh, So chapter three, it gets even a little bit, uh, more deep is uh and we're just going to cover three in this one um verse six it says that he gives us membership verse 12 he gives us boldness and verse 13 he gives us glory um i kind of again want to just kind of hit and highlight the prayer um what are your thoughts on those those three uh gifts that he brings about in chapter three um so i just kind of want to touch on um verse eight honestly um this is just kind of paul um, talking about, well, I'll just read it real quick. It says, unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. So what I really pulled out of that is he sees himself as less than the least of all saints, and he's focusing on the grace given to him. And what the overarching um, nugget for me out of that is transforming grace, which made Paul humble, graceful, and grateful. Mm. So the grace of God, when you look at what like Paul pre-BC, right? Paul mm-hmm. BC, he was Saul. He was a Pharisee, basically. He was out here persecuting Christians. He was literally in route to go and not just imprison, but kill Christians at the point that um, the Lord met him on the road to Damascus, right? And so when he looked at all the things that he had done, and he he admitted numerous times, I have been injurious 
to the cause of Christ. Like I have been injurious to the people of God. Um, so, and then on top of that, when the Lord uh, converted him during that whole process and, and, you know, blinded him and did all that, that stuff, he said to Ananias, he was like, I have shown him what things he must suffer for my namesake. So not only have I called him, but I also showed him that he's going to go through things, which a lot of, most of us don't get that. Like we get called, we answer the call, we come down, you know, to the altar, we, we say our prayer, we confess, we do our thing. But like, how amazing was it that not only did God like do all of that, but he also showed him during that, that period of time, like, these are the things that you're going to suffer along the way. Um, and he constantly also communicated with him as he went along like you're going to be imprisoned when you get here um you're going to have to go through this you're going to go through shipwreck the boat is actually going to you know tear apart and y'all will be alive if you do this so there were different things that god was constantly communicating to him but the point of all that is just to say that that's good and so to reiterate the first challenge uh going into this imperative piece is that we have to walk worthy that we have to show that god is worth our value that he is valuable mm -hmm. to us and so um a few things kind of going into uh, this chapter, um, some ways that we can walk worthy. Um, it talks about walking in humility, walking in gentleness, walking in patience, uh, walking in forbearance and love and walking, uh, being eager to maintain the unity and peace. Um, these are things uh, going from verse four, uh, sorry, chapter four, verse one. And that's just in uh, verse two. Um, so, these are things like we have to realize that walking worthy, a lot of people look at this passage and think it's just related to your ministry gift. Like you just need to walk yeah. worthy of the calling that God gave you. Like God called you to be a janitor, like walk worthy of being a janitor. But like, <laughs> yes. However, like the gift piece is not actually until you get down uh, in verse 11. Right. So he's talking about like after leaving verse chapter three, talking about glory being in the church, moving into mm -hmm. this. It says, therefore. So again, if you said, therefore, it means you got to go backwards, not forwards. Exactly. So walking worthy, we this walk encompasses these attributes. Galatians 5, right? Mm -hmm. Love, joy, peace, patience, righteousness, goodness, self-control. Like, these are things that we have to be mindful of. Are we humble? Are we gentle? Um, mm -hmm. Are we patient? Are we unified in, in our activity? Um Unity is a big thing for me, and, and unity doesn't necessarily always mean that we have to think the same. It doesn't mean unison. Like, we have a responsibility as believers to guard against being divided. And our diversity is not meant to divide us. If you look in chapter four, like, our diversity was given to us intentionally <laughs> so that we can be mm -hmm. a body. And so yeah. that diversity is meant for us to be able to walk peacefully. Like, so we have to learn how to be different but still be holy, <laughs> still be humble mm -hmm. enough to walk in peace. And those are things that um, I'll definitely get more into unity later as we um, get into the, the final chapters. But um, these attributes are are crucial for the life of a believer. Like if we're going to truly walk worthy, like that looks like something like when we say that we want to be Christ like, like what were the attributes of Christ? Like Christ was gentle and lowly. You know what I'm saying? Like he said his yoke was mm -hmm. easy and his burden was light. Like he wasn't out there like being a slave driver to people when he was talking to them. Like, he wasn't out there whipping the disciples, even though they was wanted. You know what I'm saying? Like he had a Judas. You know what I'm saying? And like we want to cast, we want to have this cancel culture. Like we out here letting people go and that type of thing. Like Jesus wasn't like that. So when we talk about like what would Jesus do and like, you know, we're going to be Christ-like, that's 
in all phases of life, you know what I'm saying? Like, are we humble, you know, or do we have pride? Are we gentle or are we brash? Like we have to be able to evaluate every piece of our life and say, am I walking worthy of this calling that God has given me? Like I have Uh the precious promise of the gospel that I get to proclaim. Am I walking worthy of that in every phase? Like you said, like if I died, you know what I'm saying? Like BC was before Christ, AD means after death, which means you have died, you know what I'm saying? And therefore, <laughs> you must live according to the death of yourself and live to the life of Christ. So, yeah. Um, so I just, yeah, I just want to highlight like three three things with what you talked about. So the humility, the gentleness, patience, actually four with the love, forbearing. Um, so with humility, just kind of going back to the Paul um, statements I had in chapter three, verse eight, um, just remember the grace that you've been given. Are you grateful enough for the gift, for the salvation, just for the grace that God showed you, that you have been forgiven much, that it causes you to be humble? Like, has it moved you? Has it transformed your heart that much that you feel humbled um, as a servant? And I think that personally, the older I have gotten in the Lord, and I'll say in the Lord, because you know, you kind of start over the age system once you are born again in the Lord. So you start as a spiritual infant and then you you come up. So not just in natural life, the older I got, but in the Lord, the older I got, um, I became more humble because of how I just saw God, like, for the stuff that I didn't deserve. And he was so kind and so loving. It's like, how can you not, you know, feel like this? Um, So that's how I can relate to that. And then gentleness. Are you practicing the deeds of your father so that you can be more like him? Um, he was a gentle God. Like look at examples of how he was gentle with others. Um, he was merciful. Um, are you merciful toward others? Um, there's a story Testament where, you know, there was a guy that was extended mercy and then he didn't show mercy when it was Mm -hmm. an opportunity for him to show mercy. So, you know, God was not pleased with that. And so, you know, we need to, to be, kind as God was with us. We need to be merciful as God was with us. So he shows us what he wants us to embody and emulate as well. Um, With patience, I mean, Lord, can we not all talk about patience every day? (laughs) Um, and, and, And he said numerous times throughout the word, be patient, be patient. And yes, everyone says patience is a virtue, kind of like, you know, just in a throwaway kind of sense, right? We say it just so not even really considering it really truly is a virtue um and by virtue i mean it's a behavior that shows high moral standards and that's for a reason so like you said in a, in a sense earlier god through life um presents us with daily and countless opportunities to hone and grow the fruit of patience but not just patience all the other attributes of the spirit galatians yeah. 5 mm-hmm. um and again he shows us immense and bountiful uh patience I mean, look at just how long it took you to, like, literally surrender your your life and yield to be saved. That in itself, waiting on you to get your, your, your mind right and be willing to say yes to the Lord and stop living recklessly, that in itself is patience because not everyone gets that um, opportunity. Um, so we should, again, look at how we can um, die to self because if we are feeling like we can't be patient with somebody, if we're feeling that we can't be gentle with somebody or walk in humility it's because we resurrect ourselves from the dead and we are not we are living right now and it's mm-hmm. it's you know we're supposed to be dead we're supposed to be hidden god and so if we're not hidden god then you know at this point in time god is being patient because i don't have the patience to deal with you so god will have to deal with you through me right now 
Um, and then lastly, the forbearing in love is our human nature does not naturally forbear in love. And I know I talked about that before, um, about just how we have insufficient funds. And so yeah. we, we cash in on God's account to do that. And so I don't have it to give you forbearance. I don't have it to, you know, I just don't have it, which is why I'm supposed to be hidden the Lord <laughs> so that he can forbear with you, so that he can execute his love because I don't even love you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to just keep it real. I don't love you, but the Lord does. And so because I have yielded my vessel to him, he's going to love you through me. And you're going to see my face, you know, physically because it's my body as the shell, but it's the Lord himself. Um, I'm just a, a conduit. I'm a vessel for his love to flow through. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's it. That's good. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, yeah, just to kind of cap that off, um, like I said, that piece goes into talking about giving gifts. Um, and so um, it's important to point out that we were given the spirit as an enabling presence. You just mentioned that about it's not us, it's him, that the spirit was given to us. And so that's why in Galatians 5, it says walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So mm-hmm. we need him in order to do what it is that we need to do. And so, again, that's a gift. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. um, the gifts that he gives us is not, again, for ourselves. It's not just for the purposes of saying, hey, I have a gift, I have a calling, I have a ministry. But that gift that you were given is for the purpose of giving to someone else, because the point of the gifts is for the equipment of the saints, for the work of service, for the building of the body of Christ. So you're called to build the church, which means, again, going back to verse one, you have to walk worthy because your your gift to the church is to help build the church and to bring glory to God. Um, And so always having that as the forefront. And so in light of that, the next walk that we need to do um, is we need to walk away. Um, one of my favorite things to talk about, um, putting off and putting on. Um, and so, uh, verse 17 through 31 basically talks about a lot of, like it was in chapter two, like we once were, (laughs) but we're not. And so again, Uh just a reminder of this is not who we are. Like we have to put off the deeds of the flesh. Um, I love how it says, um, Verse 17, it says, so this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer, just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of the mind. And you talked about that earlier, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. Verse 20, but you did not learn Christ this way. <laughs> and so, uh-huh. um, Come again, on. Is that but so again, our walk is if we are to walk worthy, if we are, then we have to put off the deeds of the flesh. Um, It says that we are to walk no longer as the Gentiles used to walk, or as we we were Gentiles and we used to walk in the futility of our mind, being darkened, excluded from the life of God. So if you are claiming to know God, you're included, right? Remember chapter one, Uh we were chosen, like we're in here. So if we're in here, this is not us. This should not be the description of a believer. And so... Um, It says that their callous have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ that way. So we have a measuring rod in which to evaluate our life. Like if we're not putting off these things that it's going to then begin to talk about and not be renewed in the spirit of our mind and put on the Lord Jesus Christ, (laughs) like it says in Colossians, uh, then we're lying to ourselves. Right. And going back to first John, we're lying. The truth is not in us. So, again, we can see the flow and the apostles when they are are giving to us the word of God and they get us for our instruction, for our uh, reproof, 
we know the word, we know the answer. Um, we have to let it go. And so we've been covering this. We've said this in, in multiple episodes and in, in different chapters and different books, the same rules are applying. The, the same mandate is consistent is this is what the life of a believer looks like. And so are we practicing that? Are we willing to put off when we're not operating in the spirit? Are we willing to put those things off? Are we willing to die to ourselves, like you mentioned, Eric? And if not, we have to be able to, to, to reckon with that. Yeah. So I just want to kind of say um, one thing about the put on, put off part, because just like you said, there's certain words that we should not just gloss over. So when you read it, especially in King James uh, verse 17, it says that henceforth you walk not as other Gentiles walk. So from this point onward, <laughs> so obviously you're, you're walking like Gentiles, right? Yes. <laughs> so from this point forward, I'm saying this now, um, that you no longer do it. And so by saying this, he's saying your old self grows corrupt. And what that word means in Greek is that self-destruction. Mm. So you're, old, you're corrupting yourself by leaving the old man on. And then it says that your new self grows and becomes law-abiding and is purged when you renew your mind. Mm. Um, but the other part I wanted to point out about the blindness of heart, because it says that you covered the verse that said, um, having your understanding darkened, being alienated of, um, from the life of God. So, mm -hmm. yes. Yeah, so I just wanted to shout you out because you had mentioned that, um, that powerful, um, blurb, darkness is a byproduct of light not functioning. Mm. And so here it's talking about, um, your understanding is darkened because of ignorance, okay? And you're choosing to be ignorant. You are literally choosing, because it says al being alienated from the life of God. So that word alienated in Greek literally means to be a non-participant. So you are not participating in the life of God because of the blindness of your heart, which is the feelings and emotions of your mind. I think that by itself just speaks volumes. Like, mm. for you to not be a participant goes back to you talking about the walk, like walking at all. Like, I choose to not participate in walking. <laughs> mm. I choose to not participate in exercising. I choose to not participate in obeying God, you know, in a relationship with God. So you are alienating yourself, which means you're helping self-destruct yourself or therefore corrupting yourself, which is why your old self is continuing to grow corrupt. So you're either growing corrupt or you're growing law-abiding. You're growing one way or another, which is horrible, right? Like, it's not good growth. So mm -hmm. when I say growing, because the word says this, it says grow corrupt. The old man is growing corrupt. So what that means is you're waxing worse and worse, which is another uh, analogy that the, the Bible says is waxing worse and worse. You're getting worse and worse in the condition you're in, which means you're growing more corrupt. Mm -hmm. instead of growing more law-abiding. So that's all I wanted to add to, you know, illuminate that or expand upon putting on and putting off. But you just have to really realize that you're choosing to be ignorant because you're alienating yourself by choosing to be a non-participant and you're not allowing light to function in your life. Yeah. And I'll just cap that off with, with verse 30. Um, it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So you're... Ch Walking, obviously, in a natural sense, we make a choice of whether or not we want to exercise. 
we don't get that choice as believers. Like we are commanded to exercise. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Like you can go to the doctor and they can say, Hey, uh, you probably need to lose some weight. You need to, you know, do some things and change your diet. We don't get the option to be spiritually uh, unhealthy and call right. ourselves believers. Right. And intentionally choose to be that way. You know what I'm saying? Like this is uh-huh. going to call it out and say, I'm telling you to put off, you know what I'm saying? Because this is who you said you were. Like you did not learn me this way. And so therefore, this is what you're supposed to be doing. The practice uh-huh. is not a, okay, if you want to, like, you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. You can, you can go ahead and try. No, I'm saying you need to put off and put on, right? And so Come uh, on. It, it is important to recognize that us walking in the spirit is not an option. <laughs> so I just wanted to put that out yeah. there. Um, uh, let's keep it moving. Uh, so next walk is, uh, so I, this actually gets into chapter five, um, is we are to walk in love. And so it starts off, uh, perfect segue again. Therefore, uh-huh. <laughs> based on what I just said, be imitators of God as beloved children right. um, and walk in love. So be an imitator of God. Like when you think about being an imitator of God, what does that mean to you? Flat out follow and copy his example. Just do what he said and do what he does. You know, I remember, um, and you may too, there were many times that there were certain adults around us that would say, do as I say, not as I do. I just said that yesterday. And, but when I reflect on some of the ones that said that and what they were saying, not as I do about the stuff that they were saying, not as I do about, if you really think about it was stuff that they shouldn't have even been doing themselves, which is why they would tell us not to do as they do either. Just do as I say, because they knew they were hypocriting. Like not only were they hypocriting, but they knew that their actions were wrong. And even though they were living that way in front of us by example, they didn't want you to just do it just because you saw them doing it. But Children naturally want to do what they see someone else do because that's just how they're wired. You know, that's just what they're wired to do. So it's the spirit of God that really intervenes, you know, to let people know, like, this is not something you should be, you know. Mm -mm. So that's really what it means. Again, like I said earlier, like father, like son, just examine yourself by the, what the word says. And in this passage, in multiple passages, there are checklists provided. You know, Galatians gives us a checklist. This passage, chapter uh, 5, verse 2, all the way down to 6, gives us checklists. So you can literally just check off, like, am I doing this? Am I doing that? Am I doing this? Am I doing that? And they can be the positive ones, and they can be the negative ones. And when you see the negative ones, you know, the, the works of the spirit, the works of the flesh, when you start going down those lines and you see, like, man, I'm doing a lot of these, then that's not what he's doing. Imitate God. What would he do? And and amplified when you read it, you know, um, one of them, it says, examine yourself to see whether you be in the faith. These Mm -hmm. things are not, it talks about how these actions are indecent and offensive behavior. Uh, And it's offensive to Jesus, not offensive to humans, because there's a lot of stuff that we're desensitized to now on earth. Um, It means that it's not proper for believers, the way of life for believers to conduct themselves publicly or privately and the way that we live validates our faith. And so I think it's a shame because there's a lot of times that I've personally witnessed um, so-called believers, leaders, pastors, ministers, church workers, regular attenders that 
say they're Christian, believe God, but they have a very loose sense of holiness and standards of what's acceptable. And so these things would be indecent and offensive to God, but yet we have blurred the line so much that, you know, we can justify what's acceptable to us and how we can make it fit with the word to still let us do it and still proclaim and profess Christ. Um, but, you know, the end of the day, the it speaks for itself. Like, if, if it's there, would he co-sign? Would you be comfortable doing this very deed in front of him, talking about your fellowship and with the Lord? Yeah. Because if you're not going to do it with him, in like literally in presence, because he's always there anyways. But if if he was literally in the room, the way he was with Mary and Martha and Lazarus, the way he was with the disciples, the way he was with you know anyone on earth humanly, if you wouldn't do those things with him in person, then you shouldn't be doing it. Period. Right. Not like that. Not like that. And that just moves into the next piece of that passage, verses eight through fourteen. Um, we shall walk as children of light. Um, verse 10, I love this. Um, so verse 8 says, For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And then verse 10 says, Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. So uh-huh. we should be studying and looking for ways to honor God. Uh-huh. So that means that we have to be conscious of what it is that is or is not displeasing to the Lord. And if we don't know, that's why we have the word <laughs> Again, exactly the important like we cannot stress enough the importance of having a command of the word of god because it's like you're trying to get your driver's license like if you don't look at the dmv manual you're probably <laughs> not going to get a license <laughs> because like i remember when i got my license and i just waited to 18 i didn't do driver's ed i didn't do any of that i just waited because i thought okay like i know how to put my hands on a wheel and put my foot on a pedal there's way more than that <laughs> you know what I'm saying? exactly like, Okay, do you know the hand signals if your blinker doesn't work? Do you? And so, like, there's a lot of things where, like, do you know what to do if you're on uh, a one-lane road and what side you're supposed to be on and which is the dominance? Like, you don't think about those type of things. And so, the same thing with the word is that you could think, okay, I know God is love. Like, that's good. I'm good. I'm straight. Okay, but <laughs> what about the other things? Like, mm-hmm. there's so much that, again, everything that pertains to life and godliness. Like, you should have a biblical worldview in every phase of your life. Yeah. Not just, okay, on Sundays, I'm going to take this thing with me and I'm going to open it when they tell me to turn to this page. Okay, great, wonderful. You're going to be taught. So yes, you should have the, the book of what they're teaching you on. But Monday through Saturday, that's on you. You know what I mean? Yeah. To be breaking that bad boy open and making sure that you're studying to show yourself approved, that you're getting it in, that the person that's speaking to you on Sunday is consistent Hell with what you truth. have learned. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't just say, oh, well, he told me and so I, I believe him. Well, how do you know that that's true? Are you learning? Are you studying? Are you applying? Are you allowing, again, that spirit uh, of wisdom and enlightenment to come forth? Or are you just trusting mm-hmm. everything being said is, is sound doctrine and every pastor is, yep. on, is on point? So, again, we need to walk and be studying in, individually about ways that we can yep. Yeah, you got to be like the Bereans and see if these things are true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> For real. All right, so moving on, uh, 15 to 21, um, we should watch our walk. So kind of in the same vein, um, kind of a continuation of verse 10. 
Um, and I think you had actually mentioned about this verse earlier. Um, Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise. That's verse 15. Uh, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So again, uh-huh. our responsibility is to understand what the will of the Lord is. And I can kind of give you the answer to the test. First Thessalonians 4.3. <laughs> right? So again, if you study it, you know I mean? like, we're not guessing. So what is the will of the Lord? Uh, Bible says in First Thessalonians four three, for this is the will of the Lord, your sanctification. So that's right. What is what is our sanctification? Right, us growing and becoming more like Christ. Again, yeah. everything that is being said in these uh, chapters four through six. So, um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it doesn't get any plainer than that. But it's the importance is that we have to understand that we need to be walking and we need to be thinking about walking. Yeah, I just love like how. It's a chain when you really get the word rooted in you, like from one to another, and we could just keep going back and forth like a tennis thing, right? Because there's so many verses. Because as you're saying that, there's like more verses and more verses and more verses mm-hmm. that just keep coming. But it, it's beautiful because you know, yeah. How are how are you sanctified through the word? The word is truth. So mm-hmm. it it comes back to the word. It starts with the word. In the beginning was the word. Words with God. Word was God. In the beginning, God said that's how creation was made, with the word. So everything starts and ends with the word. And I like that because and this has actually become one of my favorite passages lately is John 17, 17. This is actually the high priestly prayer where Jesus is preaching. I'm sorry, Jesus is praying on behalf of the church. And he said, um, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. So, again, mm-hmm. the word is the sanctifying agent. And so, again, yeah. if you're not seeing the fruit evaluate your Bible reading, you know what I mean? Because if you're not in the word, (laughs) you can't really get to the point of understanding what you need to do if you're not in it. So uh, I've just been loving that lately because I think that just really speaks. And again, that's Jesus's prayer on behalf of of them speaking to the father saying, Lord, sanctify them. Your word Uh is what is that sanctifying power and then praying it back. So um, are those things that we're thinking about? I mean, that's important. That's so true. All right. So the last walk um, is kind of, again, I talked about unity earlier, which is uh, walk together. And so this is actually a piece of uh, the end of chapter five and then going into verse uh, chapter six a little bit. So it's from uh, verse 22 into uh, chapter six, verse nine. So um, kind of talks about some relationships um, there. So um, kind of what are you seeing uh, in that? So I'm going to pull my thought from just the first portion of chapter six. And um, it, it addresses children first. It says, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. And then if you go down, um, it says in verse 5, servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ. So I just, first of all, think it's interesting that um, children, obey your parents, for this is right. In the commandments, because um, if you continue to read, it says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it will be well with you, that you may live long on the earth. So that's the promise. The promise is that it will be well with you and that you'll live long on the earth. Um, so I think that it's very interesting that the first commandment is to obey. <laughs> um, again, how do children even have the opportunity to obey? They hear what their parents want them to do. They receive the information and then they execute, obey what their parents told them to do. So we, as the children of God, we have so many promises. We have so many um, commands that God has given us, you know, 
we, how dare we not, you know, um, honor our father, the heavenly father, um, and be partakers of the great impressive promises that he gave us, again, that we um, mentioned in Peter, you know, as partakers of the promises, we will be partakers of the divine nature. We have access to those promises. So, um, and then secondly, just with the servants being obedient. So what I pull from that is the fact that God has literally instituted two things on the earth by which we have the opportunity in order to learn obedience. And clearly he requires obedience. I mean, he requires that. But he instituted parental units Mm. and he instituted employers for us to learn submission and obedience. Mm. So, you know, Jesus himself, you know, was obedient to his parents. And Luke 2.51 talks about how when he went down to the temple, when he was a youth, and, you know, he went down there with his parents, but then he stayed and lingered and was there when his parents went back. And then they were all frazzled and worried, like, oh, my goodness, we lost Jesus. And, oh, my goodness. And they found him in a temple. And, and they were like, what are you doing here? And he's like, I got to be about my father's business. But then it said that he went back with his parents and then he submitted himself to them. So he became obedient to them. Um, so even Jesus was like, he knew he was the Lord. <laughs> Yeah. But he's like, I'm going to do this because I have to be the pattern and example because I can't be a disobedient child just because I'm God. Like, I chose to come down here and I chose to be, you know, this example, the perfect sacrifice. So I have to show them in every way what they're supposed to do. So I have to be an obedient child. And he was, you know, he honored his parents. He was obedient to them. And again, we have jobs. So if you are a person who has a, a problem with authority, you don't like answering to nobody. I don't know how, you know, if you were a rebellious kid, like, I don't know, first of all, how you survived on the earth to live, tell a story, <laughs> first of all, because <laughs> um, I wouldn't be here today if it was me. Um, but secondly, like, do you own your own business? Do you work for somebody? Because um, how does that work where you don't, you know, submit to anybody? Um, authorities and churches, if you are a person who attends a church, you know, there's leadership and, and authority and leadership. And the Bible talks about submitting to um, leadership in many facets. I mean, we could go through that on a whole other thing, but um, those are things that God has instituted for us in order to submit and learn submission and obedience. And if we're um, we're not going to be um, partakers of the promises of God, like we're just not going to um, experience those extra blessings or the spiritual blessings that come along with obedience. Yeah, and, and again, it, it just goes back to um you know, the great commandment, which is love God and love people. Like if every earthly relationship is connected to the fact that we're supposed to walk in love, then yes, that every earthly relationship we have should be grounded in spiritual attributes. So um, when it goes into the husband and wife at the beginning of this, um, husbands love, wives respect, Children's, uh, children obey, fathers don't provoke, slaves obey, masters honor. So every relationship that we have should, like you said, bear the fruit of Christ um, should bring glory to God in our um, in our dealings. Um, I love Romans eight. Uh, I'm sorry, Romans twelve eighteen, which says, um, "As far as it depends on you, live peaceably among all men." So uh-huh. we have a responsibility um, to do our part to live righteously in in these relationships. As far as it depends on us, um, this breeds unity again, because as the body of Christ, as the church, 
which we're going to have relationships within the church, we are commanded to walk together. We are commanded to have right relationship with people. And so if unity is important to God, it, it must be important to us. I mean, think about what he said in Matthew 5 when he said, if you're offering your gift to the altar and remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there and go reconcile. So, so then come off of your gift. So yeah, whatever your prayer, whatever your situation is, whatever you want from God, like leave that and handle that mm -hmm. relationship. First uh, John, which we, we covered um, for, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar for he who does, he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this is this commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Like that's a commandment. Yeah. That's not no, hey, I really don't like that dude. Like we shouldn't be using the word. Hey, in our vocabulary. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yes, like you said, we might have insufficient funds and we might be displeased with some people, but we as the children of God should not have that strong of a disdain for people where we're walking around not choosing not to reconcile and do the things that we need to do and be the example of Christ. And so uh -huh. again, we have to then rely on the spirit of God, because like you said, I don't love certain individuals. You know, what I'm I don't want to love certain <laughs> individuals, but that's not on me. And if we make this a subjective situation where anybody can do whatever they want to do, then we have to understand that that is not the nature of God. God has, has established the order and we have a responsibility to live according to that. So again, unity is important to God. It must be important to us and uh -huh. uh, it involves our relationship. So um, last walk is that we must walk together. Um, a lot could be said on chapter six. Um, I want to save part of it because obviously we have a conference coming up that will really speak to fighting. Um, obviously, yeah. we know that this is the armor of God <laughs> chapter. And so um, we'll kind of just kind of jump around that um this kind of gives us the battle gear and so the only thing really i, I kind of want to say to this is that um again like the, the summary of the book is giving us the doctrine and the practice and so I, I like how it ends with um kind of this charge with all of this information that's been given so it's kind of been thrust at us and i know we've kind of went long today as well like he's given them such a truth. And I believe that this is the component and the foundation of the church, because obviously it's the doctrine. So it's important for us to know the doctrine uh, of our faith, but then secondly, how to live in light of that doctrine. Um, and so heavy material, um, but yet he ends kind of with this charge. And so I like how he kind of ends it in verse 10. Um, it says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the, the power of his might. And so he's telling him to be strong in light of everything that we talked about in light of the fact that uh, there might be some some thoughts about um, who you are in Christ, uh, what he's done, uh, what trials and tribulations you may be going through. Like the bottom line is that I want you to be strong. Like this is the one thing I want you to take away from this is be strong. Um, but then I love how in verse 24, which is the last verse of, of the entire book, um, he says this, and I'm going to read it out of the New Living Version. It says, may God give loving favor to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with a love that never gets weak. So wow, he's telling you to be strong because, again, there's a lot that's going to be thrust upon you and being unified and having to deal with people who don't maybe share that same unity or or people who um, are walking around like Gentiles or like all of these things. He's basically saying, look, at the end of the day, like I've given you the doctrine that you need to live by and I've given you the promise and the hope in that. So I want you to be strong. But secondly, his benediction is grace be with those who love God with a love that never gets weak. So in essence, he's saying like in your heart, like, do you have moments of weakness? Absolutely. Like he's not saying that you can't ever have a moment where you don't feel weak, 
But he's saying uh-huh. that your love for God should never be weak. And so be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And then love him with an undying devotion. Your thoughts on that? Absolutely. Amen. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I just want to add to that being strong part is how do, you, how do you be strong? In addition to what he says with the armor of God, I'm just going to land on verse 14, which says, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. Um, and I'm just going to leave it right there. Having your loins girt about with truth. Truth is the word of God. Um, it talks about how the sword of the spirit is the word of God. And then if you go to First Peter 1 and 13, it says to gird up the loins of your mind. So basically, how are you going to be strong in the Lord um, and the power of his might is what we talked about earlier is being strengthened in your inner man, your mind, your heart, everything inside of you being girded up with the truth of the word of God. That's how you're going to be strong. There's no other way. Like you can't go to the gym and work out and think that your physical fitness is going to help you be strong in a day of spiritual warfare (laughs) you know like you literally need to be strengthened and to the equivalent that you would want to say that a natural person um is benefited by their workout regime or you see the fruit of their um devotion to physical fitness is the same that you will see to your devotion to spiritual fitness so therefore if you're not committed to going to the gym when other people are not in the gym. If you are, you know, waiting for somebody else to be your buddy to go to the gym, um, to go to church, to get in the word, Mm -hmm. to go to Bible study, to do these things, you know, you have to be about it when nobody else is in there, regardless of who's in there, regardless of what time it is. Like you have to be about it no matter what every day, no matter how you feel. Like people are going to the gym and they always feel good, but they're committed and they're going. So to the extent of the fruit that you see that you admire in other people who are physically fit, um, translate that to your spirit and even look at pe- people who are spiritually fit in your life that you think like, man, like they really got it together, but that's because they're devoted to spirit to spiritual fitness yeah. and you could be too. No, that's good. And I'm going to say the rest too for the conference. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just got one final point and I'm shutting up. <laughs> So in light of the fact that we're to uh, recognize our position and then live it out, I'm just going to sum it up with this. If your faith is not applied, your faith is a lie. <laughs> That's a mic drop. If I ever heard one. <laughs> so let's, let's pray to that end. Amen. Father, I thank you so much uh, just for a beautiful book um, in your word that you breathed out, that you inspired um, and have given us, Lord, the church so that we may have um, a solid foundation as to who we are in you. And then also a solid foundation of what that means practically for our lives. Um, again, we, we said in Second Peter 1, 3, that you've given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. And this book um, has taught us so much. Um, I know that it, uh, we kind of went long today, um, but I pray that this uh, will be rich uh, in the hearts of those who listen, Father. Um, again, just as a student, um, I, I am just so blessed to um, learn through your word, Lord, because um, Hebrews 4.12, Lord, is alive and active. And so... Um, even in the preparation, Lord, it's alive. And so I, I thank you, Lord, that um, you even use it to penetrate our hearts, Father. And so, 
Lord, just continue to do your redeeming work. I pray, Lord, um, even in light of that uh, last point, um, that we would apply the faith because, Lord, we know that it says in James that faith without works is dead. So, um, Lord, I pray that you would teach us um, to walk, um, to recognize the worth and the value of this precious gift that you've given us, which is uh, eternal life and uh, the hope of your son, Jesus Christ, in a dying world. And, um, Lord, ultimately, we want to see change in this world. And we know that um, those who are on the path of, of death and um, are apart from you, Lord, we have what they need, Father. And so, Lord, without us recognizing um, the calling that you put on the church, um, they will never meet you, Father. And so, Lord, as it says in Romans, how beautiful are the feet of those who carry the gospel. Father, let us be those feet that carry your gospel. Let us be those that uh, love to walk worthy um, of this promise. Um, let us walk in all of these blessings. Uh, thank you for um, your death and resurrection, Father. Thank you for your life that you um, have lived and, and subsequently died for, for us, Lord. Um, thank you for being an example. Thank you for humbly submitting, um, leaving heaven um, for us, for dead people, Lord. Um, giving us a chance at, at life, Father. So um, I'm just in love with that reality. And I pray that that would in turn infuse us. Um, Lord, as it says in Romans again, that um, your goodness should lead men to repentance. I pray that um, we would share that good news that in, in uh, turn would lead men to uh, their knees, Father. And I pray that every day of our lives that we never lose sight of that reality that we need to repent, that we need to continually fall on our knees and, and uh, reckon with the sin that is in us and 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 change, Father, uh, to constantly be sanctified, to be conformed to the image of your Son because you deserve it, Father. You gave your all, and so I know that you require us to give all. And, um, as we mentioned earlier in Colossians, that we are hidden in you. And so um, every day we have a fight to crucify our flesh and to die to self. And so help us to do that. We know that it's a difficult task and a difficult process. And we live in a world where people could care less about um, the faith and um, how to help us be a better example of faith. Um, but Lord, as we have an, an undying devotion to you, I pray that we would continue to walk uh, in the hope of the calling and to walk with joy um, gladly um, accepting the call that you've given us. So thank you so much for choosing us as your children and let us live that out with joy and peace. And we give all these things to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Her Bro, His Sis. Catch your favorite siblings each month as we talk to you, our family in Christ. Want to chat or just stay in the know? Catch us on Facebook and Instagram at Her Bro, His Sis. Oh, 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 oh,